Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions, from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science, we'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp, and welcome back to another episode of the Keto Naturopath. Today I'm going to try something different. I hope you find it interesting. It's actually a serious topic that we're going to go over, and it's about mental illness in the U.S., if not worldwide. But it's become, not just because of COVID, not just because of the pandemic, but it's getting another focus of a lot of things have gotten worse over the pandemic. But this is about mental illness, which are things such as severe depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, obsessive compulsive disease, et cetera, et cetera, disorders, excuse me. So I'd like to tackle it by a few other audio clips that would be worth listening to, one out of a comedy and the other actually out of a PBS special that's coming up in the month of June to focus on this issue, to give you a little bit different orientation. And then we'll go into what I think uh, should be and could be done to help manage such a situation. So the first is, to set it off with a little levity, if there is some, is from a Netflix movie called a uh, series called The Kaminsky Method. It's uh, an older woman who was a was planning to have hoping to have children with an older man and the main character found this was kind of funny and they're sharing this story. So here we go. Now when you say having a baby, you mean like adopting. No, I mean like having a baby. Right. Right. Of course, we had to put it on hold until I was off my medication. We didn't want Norman Jr. having three heads in a tail. <laughs> no, no, we, no, we wouldn't. No. I don't mean to pry, but what kind of medications are we talking about? For depression. Oh, yeah. And bipolar. Hmm, that's too. And a little schizophrenia. Wow, that's, that's the hat trick. The why I point that out, those are three things that are at least in my line of work, what I've seen over the last 20 years is that those are closely related. I don't mean just in terms of mental disorders, but I'm speaking of SNPs, a genomic predisposition to that. And I've often wondered, you know, why is it when malnourishment, meaning when people don't get the nutrition, I don't mean the calories, that they should be getting, why is it that there's an increase in mental illnesses and uh, emotional disorders, they call it. It's still a vague, even though it's in a DMS diagnosis that is required for this, 
you know, those three specifically, and you could throw in obsessive compulsive would be the fourth, and that would be they're very closely related. And they're very closely related to the methylation cycle and folate acid cycle. I know this sounds technical, but it's not really. If you go through our program, we've all get oriented to this because this is the heartbeat of how we produce the next cells, how we be healthy. So methylation is turning genes on and off. And so to have irregularities in this particular process tends to, per my perspective, tends to show up first in mental illnesses, that people will be depressed. And then, of course, they'll get into more severe depression. But this is the first thing that people will start to report. And in fact, so it has to do with B12 and it has to do with folic acid. We'll leave it at that. And it has to do with, and some people have a problem in being able to appropriately methylate these particular things so they then can go on and be used in turning genes on and off. So consequently, we get these situations. But the other level here is often medications exacerbate these particular people who have these problems with methylation, their genome. When I first lectured, at the University of Massachusetts College of Pharmacy to post-grad students, my point to telling them any of that information was there were certain medications that already suppressed a B12 and folic acid. And if you gave those medications to people that already had the predisposition of needing a greater amount of B12 and folic acid, you would put them in a very dangerous situation. You would push them into depression. You would push them into schizophrenia. So that was not a joke. That was a reality. And so knowing these two things together were very important. I still don't know if people in general, uh, pharmacists in general, have any sort of awareness of that. But for this particular class seminar that I was teaching, was asked to teach, was important to make this connection and therefore not make people more vulnerable to these predispositions by by giving them medications that would make it even worse, compound their situation. All right, so next I want to go to It's really just a plug for a series coming up on PBS, Public Broadcasting uh, Services. And that is, and I'll just read it to you. It's called, and you'll hear an audio clip as well. It's called The Mysteries of Mental Illness Preview. And this is what the previews will listen to. It says, The Mysteries of Mental Illness, airing on PBS in June 2021, explores the story of mental illness in science and society. The four-part series traces the evolution of this complex topic from its earliest days to present times. It explores dramatic attempts across generations to unravel the mysteries of mental illness and give voice to contemporary Americans across a spectrum of experiences. Some of these trailers talk about how there is a mental health crisis uh, in the United States today, and I tend to believe that's the case. And you can even throw in It's cousin disorders, which is addiction. Uh, Drug addiction or addiction in general has amped up, certainly over the pandemic. But let's take a listen. And this first person, it's interesting. She is a professional boxer at the top of her game, and yet there are issues. My dad taught me how to water scene when I was four. I've done team sports. I got involved in running in high school. While I was in college, that's where I actually found boxing. I dedicated everything to boxing. I won the Olympic trials for 
2021 Olympics. And now I'm in the top three in the world. So getting the gold is definitely doable. What are you doing, Jenny? I just felt like my feet got very, very contaminated and it made my anxiety go to a 10. It makes it makes it makes the world feel like everything's falling down. Uh, I feel like I'm gonna throw up. My heart's racing. I can't. I'm foggy. I can't think straight. Boxing is the only thing that takes me away from my obsessive thoughts and my OCD world. Like I know I'm a strong-willed person, and I have good self-control when it comes to boxing. But when it comes to my OCD, it's like no self-control. I use like eight to 12 toothbrushes in one session because I might brush it for 10 seconds be like, oh, brush feels contaminated. I don't know why, get this thought. It feels contaminated, throw away, grab a new one. I'm like, wow, Jenny, you can spar eight rounds, go hit the bag six rounds, go do a 30 minute run. And that's easy to me but I can't clean a countertop and wash my hands in 10 minutes. There's no way I would be able to do that in 10 minutes. That would take me like two hours. There's always a constant battle in my head, like, Jenny, let's stop. But I can't stop, even though I want to so bad. Blows my mind almost. I don't understand why I can't. And that's what I'm still trying to figure out. So that's a real situation of people. So when I look at a case like that, a person like that, but not a case, that I would say I would love to see what they're eating. You know, part of that's where I go right away. And in the most simplistic sense, I would be looking at their blood sugar levels when they're not fighting. Obviously, when they're fighting and they're exercising, it's a whole different pattern. But I would look for that. Would they have a a degree of dysglycemia, how's that for a fancy word? You know, the ups and downs, how smooth is it or how smooth is it not? And so their diet would contribute to that. But the other thing I would look at, I would be dying to find out what is their basic genomic predispositions. I mean, there's just maybe, for me really, three or four different SNPs that I would look at, but I would ask for, now that it's easy to get access to this sort of thing, permission of course, 10 or 20 SNPs to get the picture of neurotransmitters, the methylation cycle, folate acid cycle, and it goes on to other things and you can tie into this. But I would like to look at that cluster and to sort of see what is underperforming and why is that the case. It's interesting they talk about, they go into family histories of family generations of this family of having mental illness. Well, that would explain part of it would be the genomic predisposition. Not that, by the way. Here's how I don't look at it. I don't look at these SNPs, single nuclear polymorphisms, these common polymorphic, common mutations. I don't look at it, oh, you have these particular SNPs, therefore, oh, you have the depression SNP or the schizophrenia SNP or the alcoholic SNP. I don't look at that that way. I look at because these SNPs make a problem for methylation and therefore uh, a compensation to this would be to a greater tendency to certain addictions. They're compensating, they need the sugars and other things to compensate for what's not working well. So when you look at what is the core of maybe the addiction, and I probably shouldn't have brought that in, but to the bipolar, the schizophrenia, the depression, 
And that's the issue. Well, that's a fixable issue for the most part that I can see. And so that is an amazing. You look at that. But the other thing is back to the diet aspect and looking at, you know, do these people have a predisposition to high blood sugars and low blood sugars based on the food they eat, which again, it's a compensatory system that says, eat the things that make you feel good because you don't feel good and you don't feel good because of those particular mutations. Now enter ketogenic diet or enter low carb ketogenic diet or enter carnivore diet or enter ketovore diet, whatever you want to call it, but really dropping the carbs is the heart of all these different things. And so if you had such a person to come into and get on the ketogenic diet, such as is being studied in some hospitals now in this country, at least one up in Boston, remember if you remember the the conversations I had with Dr. Palmer, many people are excited about this. There's even that whole field of nutritional psychiatry. And so when you look at this, what are they looking at? If you can get a person away from the carbs, you will then remove that dysglycemia, the the ups and downs, the troughs and the peaks that are out of control of blood sugar, they become more level. A whole different personality will take hold, will become more calm and more aware. In addition to that, if you are, if this person now is starting to produce ketones, and they only have to be very high, but the fact that ketones are at least part of their energy system, as it should be, suddenly there's kind of a blissed out because we know that ketones affect GABA. GABA is the calming neurotransmitters. And so that's a whole nother level. So when you put these two things together, you have tremendous aspect. So I want to go to one more clip, which is another trailer for this PBS series. And it's called Decolonizing Mental Health. I have to read that out loud. So there's a mental health crisis in America. And the bipolar obsessive compulsive communities are the hardest hit. Now, remember what I just said, the predisposition and also the dietary compensation. I had just gotten to a point where I was um, functioning with the voices. One night you get five hours, but then the next night you get four and then find yourself in a hypomanic to manic state. People distanced themselves from me because I didn't understand what was happening. We are seeing disparate experiences based on their race, gender identity, disability. In order to provide something to my people, I can't fail. That's not an option for me. Okay, that was the short intro. And then basically the last clip was about a Native American and how they are underserved, as are other communities for sure. So the point I want to make is there's two prongs to this particular part that I look at is one is actually looking at genomic predispositions. And you would find, let's say, take Native Americans. So Native Americans are genetically closer to the aboriginals, what, 100 years ago, even 200 years ago. Anyway, those had genes that were more accommodating a carnivore diet. And we can be more specific and talk about the, the Pima Indians, which are on the border of Arizona and Mexico, and the American side of that particular Native American tribe, the Pima Indians, that they are have the highest rate of type 2 diabetes and obesity in the United States, whereas their poor cousins in Mexico that never had that junk food are still closer to what they were eating ancestrally, and the cases for type 2 diabetes and obesity are far, far lower, extremely lower if, if they're there at all. So that was kind of a control group for that particular situation. So when you look at Native Americans, I know there's different tribes and so on and so forth, 
but that they have not been exposed to the processed foods up until, say, 100 years ago, if not 70 years ago. And that makes for a big difference. So when you look at dietary relative to genes, so there's that culture. That's my generalizations about these genes did not develop sensitivity to the garbage food they're eating today. Thank goodness, in a way. Yet, because they didn't, they are most affected and therefore not only about diabetes and and obesity, but also about the mental health, which goes along with these particular genomic mutations that they more than likely have. So when we look at that, one is you can address, to some degree, to a very successful degree, these genomic vulnerabilities. And obviously you can address dietary intake. I mean, you don't have to tie people down, but you have to make that transition. And so in part, what I am saying is that mental health has been induced in our culture in large part because of the undernutrition that our food now has. Highly processed, undernutrient. Yes, there's calories there, but it's not just calories we're talking about. In fact, that's obviously need calories, but we need the nutrition, which is no longer such highly refined foods and and they're made to be addicted for the most part, whether it's your Cheetos or your Doritos or whatever. But apart from making the manufacturer's food industry is making these foods more desirable, what they call hyperpalatable, so people meet more of them, they're actually getting less and less and less nutrition. And some of that nutrition is at the critical areas of methylation and neurotransmitters, being able to turn them off and on appropriately. So when you put these two things together, you can most likely create a very successful outcome. I'm hoping that there's some logic in how we progress our develop our health system in the United States, but um, I'm not quite sure. It's very tilted, poor, don't get enough attention, and consequently, they are the first. These enclaves, you know, pick your race, pick your culture. When any of the cultures stop getting nutrition and just have calories, you will have metabolic disorders, no doubt, across the board. But also, what's not really being spoken about that much is about your genomic predispositions of certain people in those cultures that are the first in that group, first in that colony, they're still talking about decolonizing, the first in that group of people that will be most severely affected. As I say, that's where they're going to be the people where the wheels do come off the car, and it's going to be very hard for them to function. So on the outside, it sounds simple. Hey, get nutrition in there. But what I'm saying to verify that this is actually a beatable, a winnable situation is you can get their genomes on a personal basis. You can change their diet on a personal basis, if not collectively. And it would be a wonderful transformation. So when we look at people that have suffered for a long time for family histories, we have some of that in our family that goes back or from the Irish and German, but mostly it's on the Irish side, which... Before that, you see, where do the Irish come from? The Irish are really Scandinavian, right? They're either Dutch or Norwegian, Celts and Scots and Picts and all that. But it's there, and it is viewable by these mutations, these genomic mutations that can be given extra, call them vitamins. You need to be a little more specific than that, but it's not highly technical to treat this. It's more about identifying it and listening to the person's situation and applying that real straightforward. And then, of course, you look at the diet. 
if they have been eating poor nutrition food, and how I like to say it uh, in the groups that we coach, is that it's a famine. In all but calories, it's a famine. And what happens in famines? Obviously, they're malnourished. And so that's when I talked about the Dutch winter hunger crisis of the end of World War II in Holland and how they starved for seven months and what happened. The first thing that happened where you had mental disorders that rose to the top and subsequent generations had an increased rates of schizophrenia and others. You know, what happened when we look at other similar situations? You now can, famines from China, certainly you can compare it to, like I did on the podcast with St. Petersburg the siege of St. Petersburg, siege of Stalingrad, these outcomes reveal that it's nutrition as independent from calories. So a, a true famine is you don't have any calories and you're just gradually starving to the point that people start to die. Well, before they die, they start having psychological issues. And those who start having the psychological issues, in my view, first, are those who, are, who have the vulnerabilities of these genetic and genomic mutations that can be addressed. So today, we are having a famine in all but calories. All but calories means there's plenty of calories to have. You can have a lifetime supply of Doritos, of Cheez-Its, or of Captain Crunch cereal, but in none of those is there really anything in the way of honest, true, genuine, whole food nutrition. And so consequently, you're going to be having these particular problems. So it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate because it's in my view, very easy to treat. Let's get in there, let's identify, let's treat, let's move on, let's have a healthy population. It's certainly doable, and I say that it's easy to do, but there has to be a collective will. So on these particular, you know, it's interesting on, in essence, the comedy, the Kaminsky method, that it brought this up. Why were those three mentioned? Those are pretty severe. The hat trick, as he says. And then there's a whole series coming in June about mental health. It's something people don't want to talk about, but the numbers have gotten higher and higher, and I think it's easy to treat. And now when you add in things like exogenous ketones, it really can be an easier way to have ketones. They're, they're, by the way, increased methylation from at least one study that I've seen that seems to be somewhat decent. MCT oil, talked about C8. So these are easy things to do. You don't have to spend your money on exogenous ketones you know, get C8 and put that into your mayo and so on and so forth. So there are smaller ways to start that are very cheap long-term. So that's my topic for today. And I hope it rings with you. I hope what I'm saying, there's it's easy to address. And then if you're thinking about yourself and your own lives, think about these things. What is the food in front of you? And what have you been having? And how does that act on your blood sugar? And do you think you're one of these people that are predisposed to certain genetic mutations, what we call those SNPs. And therefore, you have a problem. You need greater B12 and folic acid and a few other things, no doubt, but that would be the the workhorses of these particular situations. So I'm going to leave you on that. Hopefully, the end was an uplifting note and a positive thing to look into personally, collectively, culturally, nationally, if that ever happens. And uh, we'll go on to the next one. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp. I just wanted to encourage you to send in your questions to drgoldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. 
Many of you have, and so what I've done with these questions that I've gotten back to most of the people I email, but some of the questions that were so good, and if they were overlapping to other questions, I would combine them and try to put that into the topic of a podcast, either via one of the micro topics that are covered in an interview. As you know, we cover a lot of topics in a given interview or some of my own sort of reporting, if you will, on some of these issues. So please keep the questions coming. Feel free to send in an email and uh, I will get back to you. Stay listening, send in your questions, and I will definitely get back to you.